Hi, everybody. Stuart Gandalf. It's been a while since I've done one of our podcasts. And as you know, from time to time, I interview leaders in our industry from various different viewpoints. And it's always fun for me to uh, get insights from some of the people I respect in business. And in this case today, we're going to be talking to Mike Boblitz. He is with Gwinnett Medical Center, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and kind of his role with Gwinnett and what he's doing. We're going to be talking today about one of his main philosophies that he's developed over the years and working as an administrator for large hospitals, which is the idea of instead of trying to tackle everything at once, to really, really focus. Mike, welcome. Stuart, I appreciate it. Uh, it's always great to, to chat with you, and thanks for having me on the uh, the show here. For our listeners' sake, tell us about your title and what your area of focus is, just so they have some context about the size of, of Gwinnett and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Happy to. I'm the uh, Vice President for Planning and Business Development for an organization called Gwinnett Health System. Uh, We're about 30 miles north of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, approximately 550 beds, $800 million in operating revenues, and and just a great market that's growing so fast every day. We had talked before, and I remember when you first came to Gwinnett, and I know you've worked with Johns Hopkins and some other hospitals as well, but I remember you'd mentioned that a number of the doctors and different people, everybody had their agenda, right? <laughs> right. I'm sure our hospital's listeners will relate to that. Everybody has an agenda. Everybody wants attention right now, and marketing is one of those areas that everybody has input on and requests on. And your input back was about, well, let's do things one step at a time. Tell us a little bit about that whole philosophy, I guess kind of how you came about it, and how does that apply in day-to-day life? Sure. Well, you know, marketing is always a, uh, a an interesting discussion where I get calls daily and also uh, mailings daily from different administrators here that show me examples of how other hospitals are doing these brochures, if you will, to every mailbox in their community and spending ridiculous amount of money that for us, and I think it's kind of a national trend, no one can afford to, to have that type of marketing spend without some kind of quantifiable ROI these days. Since I've been here and and learned the uh, discipline up north to really kind of take a step back and make sure that first, you know, what is our strategy and what do we want to look like, let's say, three years from now, and and really work hard to try to get census, at least uh, majority census across the the management team, as well as our physician leadership and what that vision, you know, should look like. And then, you know, once that's set, really think about then, well, what are those logical steps that we would need to take to transition from today to tomorrow to, to make that happen. And so that's kind of more or less the art of the strategic plan uh, that, you know, for us, we look at uh, eight service lines and we really focus hard on, well, how could each of those service lines play a role in, in transforming the organization from current state to this desired future state? And, and we have, and when we get into those discussions, we work with um, an administrator who's responsible for the service line, as well as one or more physician leaders who play a role in each service line. And that's kind of how we get there. And then once once we have that roadmap set, then we kind of kick into what I call the annual plan. And actually, we're, we're in that process right now of, one, developing our new strategic plan and then following, uh, which July 1 is our new year, setting an, an annual plan. And with that comes two things. One is, what are all the things that we want to accomplish, you know, initiatives or things we want to launch this next 12 months? And then Let's make sure then, if those are the objectives, let's then have marketing work with us right behind the stamp of that plan uh, to develop a tailored marketing and, and PR and community, community affairs plan to, to make sure that you know, those initiatives are positioned for uh, really good success in the next year. That makes a lot of sense given your role at the hospital and the idea of strategic planning and business development. 
You mentioned when I talked to you offline about this, you know, how you came about this philosophy of trying to do just a few things well, which is really a theme I like a lot versus trying to do everything. And you said, well, that's from a lot of bad experiences and maybe some people you've read as well. Can you either share an anecdote of where you tried to do everything at once or I'm just curious how, how that's refined in your brain over the years? It's something I have learned, I guess you can say, the hard way uh, over my career. And, you know, you it's easy to put, you know, 15 things on a piece of paper and say, we need to do all of these these initiatives in the next year. And then, but at the end of the day, when you when you, you close that down and then you try to organize the how do you execute on that, you realize pretty quick that, you know, you're, you only have, or organization only have so much bandwidth to cover what I would call the day-to-day operations, which is, you know, a lot of work for most health systems, mine included, plus uh, add to that new strategic initiatives that we need to, they require a lot of focus and attention to make sure, you know, when they're complete, uh, they're successful, right? You know, I, I really work hard on trying to uh, engage our management team on how do you prioritize, and that's kind of the art of this annual plan, is let's recognize, you know, we have a lot that we want to do over the next three or five years, but this next year, we got to find some way to meet in the middle and say, let's just focus on these handful of things, and, and let's do those things, you know, really well. And we're not saying we're not going to do other things, but let, let's these are the priorities. And next year, you know, we'll focus, for example, if oncology, you know, we're not really putting a lot of attention in cancer services this year, hey, let's make sure that's top of the list for, for next year. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So when you come into a new hospital, because I know you've worked at a number of different hospitals over the years, our experience in hospitals, it's, it's a tough job, right? Everybody, there's a million very strong-willed, smart people. And a lot of times it just kind of becomes democracy where everybody tries to get involved. How easy was it for you to say no <laughs> when you came to Grenette, for example? Well, uh, was that something uh, easy for you? It's never easy. Um, what what I do, uh, you know, place to place, and you know, Gwinnett included, is I have what I call a planning council that I form, and and the planning council basically is the the vast majority of the vice presidents of an organization with some physician leaders, and and I use that group to uh, have to be involved in understanding one, what is our strategy, two, you know, what what should our priorities be, and three, then helping on the execution and. So I found that, you know, it's always strength in numbers, right? So if you have a, a good representation of your management team all engaged in uh, approving strategy and approving priorities, then it's easier to push back, if you will, if there's someone that disagrees. One of the things that um, I've done podcasts in the past about is Cleveland Clinic. And the uh, point was there, for example, when I interviewed Paul Matson, who was the CMO there, about the success of rolling out same-day appointments. And his key, his comment was, because that just boggled my mind at the time, that you could do that in, around a system as big as Cleveland Clinic. And his point was the CEO is really integral to this, getting the support of the CEO. Do you find that as well, that just getting, when when it comes time to say yes and no, that getting strong uh, CEO support is helpful? You know, I think the system, the system, it sort of depends. I think, you know, in our case, I would say it doesn't. Our CEO really doesn't get quite as involved in, you know, in certain initiatives. I think um, you know he gets more kind of bought into the vision of what should we look like in three or four or five years, and but not quite as involved in the day-to-day execution of that. Um, so I would say it, it depends. Um, there's an organization I worked at up in uh, Maryland before Hopkins. It's a much smaller system, and there that made a big difference. So for me, it just. Um, it's less, less about getting the CEO on board and more about trying to have a majority representation of uh, the management team, supporting kind of the plan and, and the approach of what you're trying to accomplish. But, 
you know, I've worked at Johns Hopkins for a while, and you know, I think it's which I think is similar to Cleveland, and so it just sort of depend depend on you know when you would need to engage your CEO and get your support there versus finding uh, other members of the, the executive team to help you. So you've been there at Gwinnett now a number of years, what four or five years now? Uh, about four years now. Okay. And whenever I talk to your colleagues over there, they have great, great respect for you. It's um, fun. They don't just tell you, <laughs> tell me that because, you know, they know I know you, but they really, it's clear they have respect for what you've been able to accomplish. Is there anything surprising at Gwinnett or like when you came in, you know, a lot of times when somebody comes in new at an executive level, it's uh, there's, everybody wants the new executive to be successful, but there's also kind of like, is this a flavor of the day thing? Are there any initiatives that you're particularly proud of that got everybody on board saying, wow, this is really going to work? One of the things I still talk about with a lot of colleagues that you know I know, like yourself, from other markets is I, I remember being shocked when I first arrived at Gwinnett and how fairly often I would hear the phrase that you know the emergency department is our front door, and you know we have uh, deep roots in, in the county of being the safety net, and we have a great trauma center, a great emergency medicine program, and you know really one of the busiest emergency departments in the state of Georgia, and. You know, so I can understand the thinking, and certainly after arrival, when I was trying to shape our new strategic plan and doing an assessment of our organization, uh, an unbiased assessment, I guess you can say, I realized that how much we were relying on emergency medicine care and how the elective marketplace, those consumers out there that are really uh, deciding and shopping, you know, where to go, it was disproportionate. We were too skewed on the emergency side, and we're we're lacking on a focused effort and attention on the elective, right? And so I started working on a path to build what I call this consumer-oriented ambulatory network and really starting to preach that, you know, consumers have lots of choices. And Gwinnett, which soon will be the largest uh, healthcare market in the state of Georgia, even bigger than Atlanta and Fulton County, uh, we have to start to become much more strategic in how we engage consumers and understand first what do consumers want and how do we change the historical approach from delivering healthcare the way that we as providers want to deliver it and, and changing that up to where we understand consumer behavior and wants and then changing up the approach to deliver medicine the way that they want it. And what the, the key is making sure we don't disrupt quality, you know, at the same time. And I've really worked hard on that. We've, we've uh, uh, focused hard on ambulatory and the top uh, consumer segment, if you believe in Experian and all these uh, psychodemographic uh, data points that are out there, the top consumer segment in Gwinnett is a group called Kids and Cul-de-Sacs. And they have two characteristics that are really interesting that I picked up on shortly after moving to Georgia. First is they're 54 times more likely than an average U.S. household to want to have urgent care. And second, they're about 51 times more likely than an average U.S. household to want to have electronic access to online records, communications, uh, appointments, et cetera, with with their providers. So uh, to no surprise, we've done both. And to no surprise, both of those ventures have been uh, extremely successful uh, for the health system. And it's really starting to transform the loyalty and the preference in the community that Gwinnett really is trying to to be the elected provider of choice uh, in the region. And, and at the same time, we're still a great emergency medicine trauma uh, expert, but we have, we have also these great, very convenient uh, access points throughout the community that consumers are starting to love. So that really is, now that, that helps me uh, understand the idea here about where you're focusing. So one of the topics that I hadn't planned on discussing, but just we can for a moment, is the whole idea about the consumerization of healthcare. 
And your strategy is obviously leading to that. But do you have any additional comments about, you know, how you guys at Gwinnett are really taking into account this change about consumers driving things versus doctors doing it the way they've always done? You know, one of the examples that we launched about a year and a half ago is what we call the back pain center. You know, we were uh, working on our product line strategy for neuroscience. You know, spine surgery and spine care is a big deal. And we started to look at the marketplace, and there's a spine surgeon on every corner who's working hard and fighting for each of those spine surgery patients. And, but as I started to speak to, to different physicians and also understand from the consumer side, you know, their experiences, I was quickly realizing that uh, while there's, there's a lot of surgical capabilities, the pathway for uh, back pain really are a lot of patients just showing up with back pain. They don't really want surgery. They don't think they need surgery, but they need someone to help them put them through a care plan. And so we approached it from, one, you know, we learned that consumers wanted to have immediate access, right? And two, uh, they wanted a provider that almost was, it was inverse or opposite of every other fine surgeon out there who just wants to, to, to go and operate, and, that, and that's why they exist. And so we created this program where you can call or click a, an appointment online 24-7. The only one, we're the only provider that can do that in the state of Georgia. Nobody else is doing this. And if you call at 3 in the morning, our call center in Tampa Bay, Florida will answer. They have direct access to our EHR. They can schedule you ASAP and get you in. And when you get in, you know, we basically have a model where you're seeing uh, often a mid-level provider who's using protocols to decide, you know, you know, what's the right path for you. Maybe you need to start off with physical therapy. Maybe you need to start off with our physiatrist and pain management. Or in certain cases, you really are a good spine surgical uh, candidate, and let's get you on uh, our appointment for one of our surgeons to, to see what they think. And that's been ex- extremely successful, and, and that kind of speaks to how we're really trying to change up the approach to deliver medicine the way the consumers want it and, and not the way the providers want to provide care. That's very helpful. Any advice to somebody coming in new to either a large group or a hospital or health system or want to think more strategically and not just sort of get whipshod from, you know, tactic to tactic, either marketing or operationally, what advice would you give them in their early days to, uh, or even later to turn things around? How, how do you get control of this beast and get the ship going in the right direction? Yeah, I would say that, you know, if you're in this, you know, one, and new to the organization, which is easiest, right, to really take time to, you know, as I did, and really engage in what I would call a very thorough market assessment, as well as an internal assessment of your health system, and, and really start to work with the manager team on what should our strategy be, and what should we look like over the next three or five years. And when you're new, that, that lends uh, itself very well to allow for that type of time and that type of process and thinking. And if you're in a uh, situation where you've been in an organization for a while and you're finding, starting to find there's turmoil and quite a bit of disagreement, you know, that's where you really just need to sit down and bring the management team together and say, look, we're kind of in this, this transitional period where you know, we need to kind of hit the brakes. Let's step back and make sure we're, we're all in agreement as to what our strategy should be over the next three or five years. And it's tough because when you're in that type of environment, everyone wants to go and there's zero patience. But you almost have to sit down and, and really try to get everyone to uh, understand that the current path you're on is not the right path. And we need to take time to really think about, you know, where should we be and what changes make sense so we can uh, be successful and we can move forward. And so it kind of depends, as you said, you know, if you're new or been in the system for a while. But that's how I always approach things. It's always challenging, and I can relate to the way you broke that down. The 
idea of having a honeymoon period is good, particularly if you get that kind of buy-in before you start, right? And talking right. to the CEO and kind of having a sense of a plan of where you're going to do before you even get there. And then the realities of a hospital system, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's easy to poke at from the outside and say what you should do, but with a million different things going on at once and, oh, we've got a strike over here and we have the phone system down over there, it can be hard to stay on top. Healthcare is going to change either way. It's just a question of whether you're being proactive or reactive. Mike, it was fun. I knew this would be a good call. I knew it would be a fun discussion, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. <laughs>